Welcome to the IU Screw Podcast. Welcome back to the RU Screw Podcast. Adam here with Mike and Max. Uh, no football to really talk about as oh Rutgers didn't play, so I guess that's a win for everybody. Um, and because there was no football to really talk about, we figured this would maybe be a uh, fun episode to turn our attention to to basketball. Yay! Max is really excited. I can, <laughs> Max I can, so, I can tell. The look on his face right now, so psyched. I am excited in that... I like the sport of basketball more than the sport of football. And I'm not going to use this platform right now to talk oh, about, please, how, no. about how... I'm not going to use it about, yeah. to talk about how much I dislike college basketball. But I, I am excited that basketball is coming. Because even if the team is bad, unlike football, it can still be interesting even when the team is bad by the nature of, you know, you're... You're always down eight early in the second half to Michigan State. And you always feel like you're shooter away. Right. So no matter what, you can always convince yourself that it's a little better than it is. In football, it's kind of made evident when when it's not going well, you're getting beaten to the ground by everybody. But in basketball, the way the game works just makes you feel like it's better even when it's not. Except, I guess, the last year of the Eddie Jordan era, which we should oh probably just God. never speak of again. How If we had a podcast that year... How much money would we have won betting against Eddie Jordan? I, I don't know. I'm sure Bad Guy in uh, Vegas. Uh, double, we need that guy on guy. the podcast. If you know who Bad Guy is, betting against Rutgers and what? How much did that Yahoo story say he made betting against Rutgers? Like a fair amount, two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. He Bad did, Guy, he did we well. need you on this podcast. He could almost pay to go to Rutgers with that with that kind of money. Yeah. You could pay for a recruit with that kind of money. <laughs> uh, a good one, hopefully. Uh, I, I guess. I mean, we're in year three of uh, of the Pikele era now. Um, there, there is a lot of optimism going into this season, and again, I, I, I don't weird. know. It, it's weird. I don't know if it's again because football has been so bad, and and again, the end of the of last season with the quarterfinal run, quote unquote. Not a run. <laughs> Come on, it was nice, but you can't call it a run. Whatever you want to call it, a, a little. How's this? An adventure to the it's, quarterfinals. It's not a run if it's to a round that several teams got to buy to. You can't call it a run. If you had four teams that got a buy into the round that you made a run to, like that's not a run. But it did end <laughs> last year. It was nice. It was nice. Yeah, there was some. There was some positivity. We were all. By the I way, mean, we were excited can, about it. Who who did they beat in that scare quotes run? They uh, beat Minnesota, 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 Indiana, and Indiana. Okay, and they. And, I mean, they, Indiana was legit. They had. Pro- they played the entire game with Purdue. Yeah, don't yeah, don't well, say well, like that wasn't look, a... I, I don't, like that's happened okay. before. Uh, I'm not, here we are. I mean, like, Purdue game was fun. We're five like, minutes into this podcast, and we're shitting on... Max, like, the no, best Max thing, is shitting on hey, you The put, best thing that happened to Rutgers basketball in like five years. I'm not... I'm just... I'm against calling it a run. That's all I'm saying. Okay, it's not a run. It's, it's not okay. a run. It's not a run. It's, it's a, a skip. It's a, it's a, a jaunt. A jaunt into a the lollygag into the big. No, it wasn't lollygag, and they played well in the Minnesota and, uh, and and Indiana games, and they made a bunch of crazy shots in the Purdue game. Which it was kept fun. Them in. It was and, fun. It was fun. And for as for as nice as that, you know, uh, like almost kind of maybe could have beat Purdue thing. If I remember correctly, they almost kind of almost lost to Minnesota. Right. Yeah. But, so that, I'm that, just I'm just but saying that's, the thing, like, that's basketball. But it's right, on right. a razor's edge. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Postseason that really doesn't matter. Okay. Fine. Then I'll be the guy who. No, you get credit for. No. Sure. 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 I mean, and, I mean, and they just happen to lose their best two players. So what else? Yeah. I, I guess then the question is just how are you feeling going into to this basketball? How are you season? feeling? You're the optimist. Yeah. I, <sighs> like we should start with you, and then we're gonna work our way down. 
my feeling about this year's team is pretty simple. The schedule, I do think, is a challenge at a conference. They, there is some real tests this year. St. John's is going to be very good. St. Hall is going to be very good. You've got my – like, there's – they're not playing the usual dreads of college basketball. Yeah, how about that? So th- they're going to lose more than they typically do at a conference, um, <laughs> which is saying something, <laughs> I guess. I expect between 10 and and 12 wins. Okay. 10 and 12 wins, and personally, they need to be in some games against some very good teams at the rack and bring bring it back to life a little bit again and keep some momentum going. I'm going to say I want to see offensive improvement, but as Max will tell us, it's it's probably not going to happen. It's, I think that asking this team to get better than last, like last year's team wasn't good. We know that. There were some times when they looked like they had progressed from from Peichel's first year, and there were a lot of times when they looked like they didn't. Now a lot of that was due to injury. They did have some injuries and obviously some depth issues, but... There's no reason to believe for me that this team this year is also going to have depth issues. I joke all the time about the idea that it, it, when you're a college sports fan and your team's not good, you can always say, well, when Corey Sanders and Deshaun Freeman leave, it was their fault. Yeah. And now the new guys who you haven't seen stink yet, now they're the guys here and they're going to lead you to the promised land. And I, I would just say that I, I think that last year's team was a lot more talented than some people around the program might have you believe. Um, I think that Deshaun, I, I, I have not let my, my, my love for Deshaun Freeman as a player be a secret. I, have, I think he's an incredible defender, and they're going to miss him greatly. Uh, I think that offensively losing a shot creator like Corey Sanders is a big problem. Maybe Geo Baker steps more into that role. But it's like, I don't, and it's like you see the optimism is like, well, six, seven wins, and then building towards a winning team in, in, in the next season. I, I just don't think that's fair. Are we doing? Are people doing the same thing they did with the football program, where you assume improvement without any real reason to believe? Well, so? I, I thought that maybe Steve Peichel was going to learn a lesson from Chris Ash this year and not go crazy with expectations. And again, he didn't do it. It's so different between basketball and football. Again, Chris Ash said bowl game before the season, but Steve Peichel again is talking pretty big in terms of expectations no, but I'm as good well. With that. That's fine. I What's like he supposed that. to say? No, no. I'm not saying that it's it's wrong. Again, I'm saying it will add to when he is sitting there at his radio show. I know he's looking to pump up the fan base, which he did a great job of at the uh, steak and lube place that, that Mike loves uh, from last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it still is like everybody slow your roll a little bit. When he's like, my goal is to go dancing and we are going to do it. It's like, oh boy. Yeah, dude. let's go. But yeah. like. Simmer down. Listen, my goal is to like become a multimillionaire, but you know, you know, you, we have to be you, realistic about this. Are you things. are you doing anything towards that uh, end, Mike? Is Rutgers doing anything towards becoming a NCAA tournament team I, this year? I I I'm interested to see again the new talent that's there. I you uh, know, but like you know, forget the new talent. I'm interested to see how Steve Peichel coaches. Like we've been talking about this for a while. Like if if he can't formulate some kind of coherent offensive philosophy that a you know, adapts to the way that basketball is played nowadays. Well, you've tweeted, like, what are we doing? You, like, you, what are we you've doing tweeted, here? You've tweeted out their their offensive rankings from his time at Stony Brook and now at Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, he has not top like 180 in offensive no, there, efficiency. There's a trend where he offense. It's just not his thing, I guess. And I, mean, I don't. It depends a, on who he's bringing in. And yeah, uh, it puts a ceiling. It like it doesn't matter how well he's going to recruit unless he starts recruiting at the very top tier. If you can't have a good offensive team. You're never going to be really good. Max, do you like him? I, I think Issa Chom's actually going to be good this year. 
Uh, I, I think, really think he's going to be good this year. I think Issa Cham will be good at the things that Issa Cham is good at, which is being in the right place on defense, using his long arms to get deflections, and shooting wide-open threes. And if you ask him to do anything more than that, you're asking for a But that's answer. valuable. That's, that's valuable. No, no, that's a lot of valuable things. And Issa Cham is the kind of guy who you may look up in a couple of years and be like, he's on the back end of an NBA roster? Like, he's big, Dude, and he can defend, and he's... And he's he, and he, and he, and big he's is not even defender. a question mark anymore. Like, he... The chicken legs are gone. I was watching a video of him shooting today from from media. You, day. by the way, you are oh, already like knee deep. No, I you're knee deep in these. That's just po- that's just poking people again who have been looking forward to basketball. No, but no, no. But I mean, you watching like these Twitter videos Dude, of like Issa awesome. Chom hitting threes. But what is there to look so forward into? to? No, but I'm just, just saying you're, you're taking great. a hit. Let's do it's it. Issa yeah, Chom has a very limited skill set, a very valuable one. But don't don't ask him to do too. But they did that last year with Deshaun Freeman. Remember, they were like posting him up when everyone knew how that possession was going to end miserably. Because he can't do those things, so that that's what I mean when I say this series, this season is more of a referendum. Like I don't know, Michael. I don't know what you're gonna see from Peter Kiss or Small Shack with Shaq Carter. Well, well that's the magic, right? Is that you don't know no, that they, you, you don't, don't know yet? Yeah. That's, and that's why there's uh, there's optimism because <laughs> people want to think that it's gonna it's gonna be different than the last uh-huh. 28 years have been. Again, who's the, who's the guy we're gonna uh, blame at the end this year? Like, who's the new scapegoat gonna be at, since Corey Sanders is gone? Oh, I don't know. That's actually a pretty that, good question. That is a good question. I, I would think Shaq Carter's a newcomer. I'm gonna put. A, I'm gonna say he might be a guy that people give at him. Mamadou Ducor. That's gonna be the guy who's like on the um, message boards. Everyone's saying, and, "Oh, sources say Steve Peichel pissed at this guy." I I actually think that, and this kind of goes along with Issa Cham. If, if you ask Eugene Omaruyi to do too much, he's really he's nice in his role, energy guy. He you know he'll get some steals, he'll make some nice cuts to the basket, but he also makes a lot of mistakes. And he's he hasn't been playing basketball for that long, so he he often finds himself in 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 poor positions defensively. Like if you expect too much out of him, you might end up disappointed. And I think that that's kind of a a common theme. And it has been, I guess, with Rutgers basketball for a while, where you've got a lot of players in the past that would be nice third or fourth options on a decent team, but then they're asked to do a lot more than they really can, and then fans end up frustrated with them, which is how you end up with fans being frustrated, people like Corey Sanders and Deshaun Freeman, who were really good players, but were miscast as the number one guy but, yeah. on a big team. I mean, that's team. the Peter principle of work of every bad team, though, right? Like, you're always going to have guys who have to do more than they're supposed to, have a higher usage rate than they really should. That's why I'm interested to see, you know, what Geo Baker is this year, right? Like, we saw him as kind of a supporting role last year and he looked good at times but now he's a sophomore like this is his offense playing a little bit out of position uh, he's not a I, I mean we're gonna see him at the point guard spot he is gonna I mean run but the it's offense. not point guard or not it's just playmaker like you I, ask him I you want to make plays fair fair I I don't know I'm just interested again last year the, the rack had some life in it yeah uh, I, it, yeah. it that, that is fun you guys were <clears throat> at the Seton Hall we sat like with the Seton Hall fans, yeah but, yeah. yeah I mean that was fun I mean the Purdue game I was at that that was awesome the Michigan State game was awesome to be at I that is all, again, I'm asking for this year is find a way to be in games with some fun ones to to provide a little bit of spark because, again, the place is awesome. It'll be more fun than football season. Oh, it, like, oh really? I, I, thought I, I was saying like, that come it, will, on. it will be more fun If it's than not, we are season. in trouble, yeah. boys. No, I'm just kind of wondering, like, because Pykele is more likable than Ash and because he seems to have this, like, um, a little bit of cult personality amongst He's Rutgers basketball fans. Yeah, like, they're still in the honeymoon period with him two years in. I wonder if he kind of gets a little bit of a scholarship year this year. 
him and the basketball program. Like, it's, even it's, if it stagnates, hold I, on, I wonder just, if that happens. I, I would take a cue from what we learned about football. It's still the results matter in not just wins and losses in how like the games are played. I, I think so, football's different. They're, like I just, Football has a recent history of expectations and being kind of good. Like Basketball has been like... A to- toxic waste no, for he's, so long. No, he's brought expectations to where you do not expect 25-point blowouts at home to very good Big Ten you, teams. I think that is that is the progression. It's like you expect them to compete, his teams to compete. It was like, it was like the Mike Rice effect a little bit. Kind of overachieved in year one, and you were like, okay, you now have to compete against the really good teams at home because that's kind of how college basketball teams progress. They get better at home first. Oh, they're not good road. They'll learn. They'll 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 get experience, and then the expectations come together a year or two after I, that. So I like how you're just running off every cliche. Because yeah. I just like that was good that's, stuff. That's just what everybody talks I about. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's actually true, but no, it sounded, no. I'm just saying that's uh, that's what everybody says. It's like at, at some point charisma stops. Bond- like if you win three conference games again this year. It, I, which is what I think they'll do. I which think is, they'll win nine games. You know, there's 20 games in conference, so they might get to four. But the, the, oh, the point is, the, the point is that that only buys you something for so long. And I think it'll it won't get as heated as it did with Chris Ash. Even yeah, though I that would was say a that special kind of shitty this year. I, I, well, there's that, and I also think it's kind of unfair. I think it's, I mean, quote unquote, easier to turn around a basketball program than it is to turn around a football program. And I, I would think that. If you believe in Steve Peichel, I don't know if it would be fair to judge him on this season. Because I, I'm just saying that I, I'm going into You're this season. You're giving him an, a, a door out. I am not giving him a door out so much as I'm saying I am going into this season with much lower expectations than most of the other people paying attention to this program. I don't really know where the optimism is coming how, from. Do, doesn't he get responsibility for these lowered expectations? No, because, like he's be, the head coach. because I think it's a, legitimate, it's a legitimate argument to say this is his third year, this is his... It's really his. I mean, last year was his first year of really getting players in that he recruited. Geo Baker, um, getting him in, and and then starting to build his his program. So I, I like. I want to see some strides with more of an offensive system, uh, some kind of offensive system, which we haven't seen. Some kind of motion, something, <laughs> something happening on offense. It's amazing that through every coach, Rutgers has run the same offense for over a decade. But you know what the funny thing is? So like. <laughs> I, I know I like I watch the Knicks on a constant basis and you know and sorry about that yeah I mean whatever but like no matter what level you watch basketball at anymore or what level you coach at it's so easy to just take plays and steal designs and run them yourself because the information is so readily available and it's to not you that complicated no and and but you don't see that at all from Rutgers like there's no stealing of like good plays from a good NBA team from a good college team like whatever. And you might say, okay, they have a talent deficit. Shit, try something different. Like you have, you can't just keep running the same crap, even if you have bad players to do it. Right. You need like one of the things that we've noticed. That's what a coach does. We've noticed it with the football program where none of the receivers are ever open. Doesn't matter. They're, they're just not open. And sometimes, okay, are they? You say, is it the talent? Is it? Is it? Is it the the scheme? Whatever. In basketball, it's like they never get good shots. Yeah, and it's it, you know when they do make shots, it's the usually, spacing's always it's, poor. It's usually you know it's uh, Ducour comes to the top of the key and sets the screen, and then Sanders comes around and either he makes some crazy layup or some fadeaway, or he misses it, and it's a brick, and then maybe they get an offensive rebound, and then Freeman throws up an air ball on a fadeaway, and it's, there, there's no there's I, no offense, like, and it's been frustrating to watch for two years, and in year three with more of his guys. Yeah. 
I'm again, it's the same thing with the football program. You don't need to show me more wins and losses. Show me more competitiveness and show me a working offense. Yeah. That's all I want this year. And the reason I keep bringing up like the Freeman post ups is I just object to it because it's essentially throwing away possessions. And that's what where you and I agree. It's like there needs to be some kind of aptitude and just like running something that works and is a little bit creative instead of just switching out players, running the same old thing, knowing it's not going to work or knowing there's no evidence that it has worked in the past. Yeah, well, Mike said same old thing. That's been the Rutgers basketball story now for it will be 28 years well, if, if they do not get to the NCAA tournament this year. Adam, we're, we're 16 minutes into this podcast. 16 minutes. And we haven't announced the big damn news about who our guest is this podcast. Can you tell the people why they're listening this week? 28 years, I just mentioned a moment ago, and that's because Bob Wenzel. We got Bob Wenzel somehow to agree to call to call into the RU Screw podcast. I feel I feel a little bad, by the way. The first time he knew about the name of the podcast <laughs> was, was during during the interview when I when I, I went and oh reached out God. to him. I never said the name of the podcast because I felt that may have been a turnoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but either Wait, way, so, so, so you started this with lying to Bob Wenzel. Well, I guess a lie by omission. Yeah. You say, okay, that's fine. It's a, it's a little less malicious. I don't think. I don't think. Would, lying, I, don't, I just left out some details. Sometimes it's better. To to not know the entire story. Look, I don't think. I don't think he would. I don't think he would have. I don't think he would care. That. I, I think he uh, is is well aware. He I mean, like he went, he went to Rutgers, and the RU screw is a yeah. He's familiar with it. it. You know, it's it's something that goes back. It's like from the dawn of time, and I'm sure he was affected Listen, by it. It, back it in did his melt day. my heart a little bit to hear you go, "Hey, Bob, thanks for joining the RU Screw podcast," <laughs> and then just just chuckles, go, all chuckles. Go inside. on from there, but it it was a really fun interview, and he he was great, and uh, oh, so good. it was it was fun going down memory lane from a historical Rutgers perspective. We got some good questions in about everything that went on back when he was coaching to his broadcasting career, and we get to Steve Peichel and whatnot. So we might as well let you guys enjoy that interview that we uh, that we had with Bob. So. Uh, enjoy that. We'll we'll talk some Rutgers football uh, on the back end, which probably means you won't be listening by that point. So en- enjoy, Bob. The last Rutgers coach to take the team dancing, uh, that's Bob Wenzel, and he joins us now on the RU Screw podcast. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for taking some time with us. First off, how are you? I'm great. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Appreciate you inviting me. Uh, well, there is plenty to talk about with the current Rutgers team, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But uh, I'm definitely more of the nostalgic Rutgers fan here out of the three of us. So I wanted to revisit uh, your days at Rutgers as the head coach. I mean, it obviously should be mentioned, too, your playing career as well. I think if I, I went and researched this correctly, were you the leading scorer on your team back in, I think, 1969, 1970? Did I get that correct? Yes, 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 yes. So, and, so not um, bad, too. Some pretty good acclamation on, 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 on that team. So you got plenty of history at Rutgers. You came back uh, after coaching in Jacksonville and then after the one year as an assistant at the Nets. So you come back and you, you go and you coach your alma mater. Um, what was it like to, first off, get the job at Rutgers? Well, um, there were any time you change a job, uh, this was a little different because sometimes you go from one college to another college. But I was going from the NBA back to college. And um, it was interesting because I had a couple of um, 
situations that we were dealing with at the time uh, that were good opportunities. And uh, but Rutgers was uh, my alma mater. It's my wife's alma mater as well. And um, so we were in New Jersey and, uh, you know, things things worked out pretty good. We had two two uh, sons, uh, babies at the time. And uh, so it seemed like the best situation um, in terms of our personal life. Of course, the program was seven and 22, three years in a row. So that was the bad part. Um, but we had great success right off the bat. We had some terrific, terrific kids early on there. Bob, who, who did you spur in to take the Rutgers job? Who who did you say, no, I need to come back to Rutgers uh, instead of taking your job? Well, I, I'd really rather not talk, you know, name schools. But I was I was involved with a couple of schools at the time that those jobs were open at the same time. And I had some friends who had been coaches at these other places and had moved on to um, some other programs and uh, were interested in their uh, in keeping their thing going. And um, so uh, I, I was a little torn, too, because I was thinking about staying in the NBA. Uh, but the draw was too much, you know, and uh, it felt good. It felt right and uh, turned out great. I think the most interesting thing is you come in and you're one. Um, you can call it overachieving, whatever you want. You, you took the team to the NCAA tournament. Uh, you ran through the A-10 tournament. And and really the one thing I want to ask you about, um, you were the guy that kind of brought the rack back to life. Um, obviously, you mentioned who came before you in the tough years and in, in kind of the end of the Little Page era. And I have a picture hanging in my basement here of, uh, I believe it's Tom Savage on top of the backboard after the fans had stormed the court when you guys won the A-10 championship at home in that Penn State game. What was that atmosphere like, that game like, going into that knowing that you win that and, and you're going dancing in your first year? Could, could you ever have thought you'd been in that position? No, and it was absolute magic. And uh, I, I, the way you're describing it right now, I can feel the thrill again. It was... Uh, one of the peak moments in uh, coaching for me or for anybody, um, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it was, it, it was very interesting because here's a story for you that you may not know. Um, before I got there, the Atlantic 10 championship game was um, played at um, some neutral sites or some different sites around. And um so I'm watching this, and uh, the year before, I believe it was Temple in West Virginia. Both teams were ranked, um, and they um, they were playing in an empty arena somewhere. And um, maybe it was at West Virginia, and it was Temple and somebody else. Um, and I'm watching this, and of course, this is before every game in the world was on television. And um, I'm thinking the Atlantic 10, um, this is their most significant television event in basketball and it's being played in front of nobody and it's a dead arena and it's terrible for recruiting. So I get the job at Rutgers. We take the team to uh, Spain, have a good trip so I can get to know the kids and, and get, get, get them to know me in the system that we're going to run. Cause it was totally opposite of what, you know, was before us. And, um, so I go to the spring meetings after that and uh, the spring meetings occur and all the coaches are there and the administrators and so on and so forth. And I said, you know, as an outsider, um, I need to make a suggestion here. And, and I think that we should um, 
since this is the main game that the Atlantic 10 plays, uh, you should have the championship game on the site of the highest remaining seed. And that way you're guaranteed to have a great crowd. And no matter what happens, um, the Atlantic 10 will look good. And of course, it comes to pass that we we get it right. Okay, we came in third. Penn State came in fourth in the regular season, so we're hosting the championship. You know, we beat Temple in the semifinals down in the Palestra. So um, it came to be that uh, it, everything just fit into place perfectly, and it was a magical, magical, magical game. Yeah, I think you're referencing that that 88 year. I think it seems like it just rotated. West Virginia hosted that year, and you were right. I think it was it was Temple, Rhode Island, playing in front of nobody there in the go. West Virginia Coliseum. Go. So uh, you're yeah, right exactly. on that. Right. Um, I guess can we talk about the rack for a second as a whole? Because I, I mentioned you kind of brought that thing back to life, and you did it by yeah, playing sure. a lot of really really good non-conference teams at home, which which, which I don't right. think people realize. Um, the Missouri game in 1990 comes to mind. You open up the season with that huge win. Um, UNLV, you guys got them at home uh, and beat them yep. too. Uh, how important was it for you to kind of bring life and have a home court advantage at the rack? Oh, it was essential. And uh, I mean, I had done a similar thing in Jacksonville with North Carolina and uh so when I got to to Rutgers, it was obviously, you know, moribund and, you know, nobody was going to the games and so on. So we were trying to promote as much as we could. And um, so uh, I figured that we, we play these, these tough games, these schedule games. I was going to all these network executives and television and trying to get us on television and they didn't want to hear it. And uh, so one day I'm in my office and UNLV had the greatest team in the country. And um, so no one would play them. Uh, so I had gone to this to ABC. I'm pretty sure it was ABC um, and said, we will play anybody anytime. And um, so they <laughs> called up and they said, well, we can't get anybody to play UNLV out there. So, <laughs> uh, you're going to get your wish. <laughs> Now, so Bob. I said, okay, but let me tell you, okay, I'm not going to agree to this unless they come back next year. And um, Tarkanian, I called him up and he agreed to it. And uh, so we went out there and got killed by like 35. And I mean, this is the team that beat Duke by 40 in the, in the finals that year. And, um, but they came back the next year and they were also uh, a very, very good team and they were on probation. So I'm not sure they were ranked, but they were like the top 10 in, in the country and we beat them there. And Missouri was the same thing. They, they were number one in the nation when we played them out there and they beat us by like three. Uh, and this was when Keith Hughes had like 35 in the game. And, uh, and then they came back and they had several NBA guys on their team and um, we played great. And Daryl Smith had his best game of his career and in that game, and we beat them there. So all of those things happened. And, and so the students started going crazy and, and uh, we started having big crowds and uh, inventive stuff by the, the students and the band. And uh, so the atmosphere was created and it was, uh, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. No, Bob, I'm like Adam here. I didn't really come to the Rutgers fandom until I was a freshman there in 2005. So I don't really know this atmosphere that you speak of. You swear that it did happen, right? 
Um, <laughs> now, I, I, was there any game in particular where the atmosphere was just you looked around and said, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe that. We, was there any game that you look back and say, in particular, you look back and say, that game was crazy? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Atlantic 10 uh, championship game was that. It, it, you couldn't hear. Um, my heart was pounding when I walked out, you know, during the warm-ups. And, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, this is... Now, keep in mind, I'd been coaching at Duke for six years. I was in the NBA. I'd been to Chapel Hill. I'd been to every... And this was as good or better than all of it. And um, it was just through the roof. They had these things called bobsicles with my picture on it with these long poles that they were hanging up in the air they had inventive signs everywhere i mean it was i mean rocking and uh and and then that was that was the one and and but these other games i mean we we had great atmosphere for a ton of games in there league games and these non-conference games we did the same thing with syracuse um you know played them twice uh and we didn't beat them either time we, we lost at the carrier dome and they beat us uh at home, but we had a two game series with them as well. to also to pump up the crowd and, uh, worked pretty well. Bob, you ever have any other coaches come up to you and just say that this place is insane? Like that, that the atmosphere here is, is special. Um, any coaches that come to mind that ever said that to you? Well, yeah, Calipari. Um, and, uh, you know, he talked about it and then Clark Kellogg, uh, actually did the game and was exuberant over the, over the uh, moon about what the atmosphere was like in there. And, um, and at the time he said it was the best arena he'd been in. And we ha- actually had him on tape. We used it as a, in our highlight film, you know, uh, to show recruits the next year. And he was on there um, and, and being uh, abundant in his praise. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so, you know, back in those days, you, you know, you didn't have, uh, you know, the, the coaches were enemies. So they never wanted to say anything good about any place else because of <laughs> recruiting, you know. Um, so um, I, I did this at Jacksonville, too, with these big name teams. And I did it with Dean Smith because I had just come from Duke. And, of course, North Carolina was the enemy. And I called up Coach Smith and I said, hey, Coach, you know, we, we need to get this thing going. You know, there's nobody in these uh and can you play? And he said, well, you're welcome to come to Chapel Hill. I said, well, that's not exactly what I had in mind, um, but um, I'm willing to do that if you come here. And he said, I'll tell you what, we'll play three places. I said, okay, we'll play on a neutral court. He says, yeah. He said, we'll play in Chapel Hill. We'll play in Jacksonville. And I said, well, where's the neutral site? And he said, Greensboro. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like it. That sounds like a really fair deal on, on there. Well, I guess I'm not surprised. Nothing really changes o- over the years. But I, that 1990, the 91 team, obviously you guys go into the tournament in your first year, NIT the next yep. year. And then uh, you kind of struggled a little bit early on in that in that third season, and then you guys won twelve of fourteen to finish up that year. I yeah, know yeah. that season, it, it, Keith Hughes was unbelievable for you. Brent Dabbs, uh, I know Craig Carter was on that team. I know Rutgers fans that are listening now probably recognize him from being on the coaching staff not long ago. Uh, what was the key to that year and getting back to to the tournament after the previous year, getting to the NIT? Well, um, we, the one other player was Earl Duncan and, um, Earl was a point guard and, um, he and Keith Hughes had gone to Syracuse. Earl was from Los Angeles. Keith was from, you know, right there in New Jersey. 
and both went uh, and he started at Syracuse. And uh, so when Keith, they were roommates. So when Keith Hughes uh, came, you know, about two weeks after I got the job, I convinced him to, to come to Rutgers and our staff did. And um, he, uh, he brought, Earl with him. He said, coach, would you like a point? You know, Earl was, you know, top 50 players in America in high school. Um, so uh, they both came and it took us a while uh, to get everybody all on the same page, but that was our most talented team. And uh, they, they played great. And um, there was a streak. Um, uh, some, uh, I, I don't know whether it was a television station or some newspaper guys or um, they didn't have podcasts back then, but um, <laughs> they called us the, 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 there was a movie called the Ghostbusters, which you probably remember um, or maybe have seen. Um, and uh, th- we had broken two streaks. Princeton had won like 35 games in a row or something. And uh, we beat them at Princeton and Penn state had won the, they were number one in the nation for most home games in a row over the course of three or four seasons. And we beat them there. Keith Hughes had 44 in the game. He couldn't miss. And um, so they were calling us the streak busters instead of the ghost busters. So that was kind of a cool, cool part of that season as well. Yeah. I know that season two ended on kind of a sour note. You guys are the nine seed. You lose to Arizona state in the first round. Does that one kind of crawl back into your head sometimes because it's it you you'd never won a tournament game with Rutgers and it seemed like that was going to be always to do it yeah this up again yeah I know I know I know I had almost forgotten about that no of course no 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 we we lost by three and um the wrong guy took the shot we had an inbounds out, out of bounds play and um we were down two at the time and, and um, there was a few seconds left and Craig Earl Duncan was supposed to take it. Craig Carter took it cause he was open and um, you know, it was a floater in the lane rimmed out. We had to foul and, and they made a free throw and they won by three and, you know, they were the eight seed. We were the nine seed and uh, you know, that's sort of how it goes. You know, that's how the eight, nine game supposed to be. And um, so that was, that was a tough loss. And uh However, the next game we played, you know, we would have played Arkansas, which was the 40 minutes of hell with Nolan Richardson. And, um, you know, that would have been a very, very tough game for anybody. Um, But, yeah, we were very disappointed in that loss. Did you feel like with three straight winning years there, two 20 appearances in those years, like uh, coming coming to the program as you did after, uh, you know, 23 wins in the past three years did you feel like you had gotten it stabilized and like we're on the verge of getting something rolling there after that point well there was a lot of things going on there we had four straight winning seasons and um the uh the atlantic 10 the big east was was the league and uh, rutgers was struggling to decide where they wanted to be football uh was uh an issue because, uh, you know, the, the Eastern teams were trying to form a football league and they needed eight schools. And, um, so Rutgers and West Virginia from the Atlantic 10 were the natural, uh, choices for this league to become a, the the big East football league. Now keep in mind, the big East also was Georgetown and St. John's and, and, uh, Syracuse and, you know, all of that. Right. So, uh, we misfired in my opinion. And uh, we had the cards in our hand where we could have forced the issue. I thought um, 
and forced the Big East to take uh, Rutgers and uh, West Virginia in all sports. But instead, that did not happen. And what happened was that um, for several years, the uh, Big East took Rutgers in football and they formed a football league. But the rest of the, uh, you know, we were in the Atlantic tent instead of being the Big East. So, so how, how does this look when the Big East is the most preeminent uh, league in basketball and your, your recruits are coming in and they're visiting during the football season, right? And um, they say, hey, coach, your, your football team's in the Big East. How come you're not in the Big East? So that, that was a very, very difficult period for Rutgers uh, in terms of um, uh, not finding itself. Now, now it's great because, you know, uh, the Big Ten is a good fit. But um, for most of Rutgers' history in athletics, uh, you know, it was uh, difficult fits and, and finding the right place and finding the right home for all of the sports, but especially basketball, um, was um, was not a great thing, frankly. And um, so but now you know, things are in the right place. Uh, it's, it's the Rutgers is in the big 10 and that's a, um, the proper place for a, a large state university with great academics. And, uh, so that's what the big 10 prides itself on. There's obviously Northwestern's a private school, but, um, most of the schools are, uh, you know, large state universities. Well, what were, um, you know, what were the, the internal dynamics uh, in the in the athletic department back then at Rutgers when you guys were trying to decide when they were trying to decide whether to go to the Big East or, you know, half go to the Big East? You know, what was what was going on? Yeah, like, yeah. Where, where was the push and pull there? Yeah, well, um, obviously, anybody who liked basketball didn't want uh, it to to be separated like that. Um, but I'm sure, you know, I wasn't privy to, to all of the decisions that were made or anything like that. And I'm sure there were good reasons for the school to do what they did financially, maybe, or um, I don't know. Uh, but uh, for the basketball program, that was not a good period in terms of uh, keeping up with the Joneses. And that actually leads me to my next point, Bob, which is, you guys get to the Big East, uh, you know, you, you talk about kind of those years that were up in the air after the tournament run in, in 1991, um, seemed like it stagnated a little bit. And then to me, um, you look back at those teams in 95, 96 and 96, 97, that's when you brought in uh, Jeff Billett, Rob Hodson, um, I think yeah. Paul Clark then. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like you were on the rise in terms of the recruiting, maybe the Big East name helped a little bit there. Did, did yeah, you think sure. you needed more time in the Big East? And did you think that maybe the the departure was a little bit premature after 97? I know there were some tough losses at home during those two years. It, it seemed like that was a really young team that, that did need some time to develop. Well, yes. Uh, but, you know, the, these things happen and it, it's sort of ancient history. But um, the, I, I think you're... Uh, I think you're on the right track and that's how, you know, lots of people thought about it and lots of people thought about it, that I wasn't doing a good enough job. And, uh, so, you know, that's what happens. You know, it's, uh, people don't stay in jobs for a long time in college basketball mostly. And, um, so, but we had, uh, the guys you mentioned were outstanding people and outstanding players and, um, they competed and, uh, you know, I, you know, whether we could have continued recruiting at, at the highest level, 
you know, hard to say, hard to say. Um, so, but uh, those guys had good careers and, uh, you know, um, that's just the way it goes. Now, Bob, you get let go in 97 and you, you get a job in broadcasting and you've been doing that for over 20 years. You never went back to coaching. It, it, normally you hear it's so hard for coaches to stop coaching. At that point, you're still you're in your late 40s when you get let go at Rutgers and you just never went back. Why did you never go back? Well, um, I was coaching everybody's team uh, at that point. You know, um, <laughs> uh, so at, at that time, there weren't as many people who would jump. You know, right now, um, guys go to all different levels. You know, uh, I mean, Tubby Smith has been everywhere, right? And he's back at high point, for goodness sakes, right now. And he was at Kentucky. Um, I just couldn't see myself going to a lower level. And um so, uh, you know, we had three kids at the time and, uh, you know, there were some personal things in, uh, in every coach's life. Uh, you know, it's a tough life. And, uh, so, um, I didn't want them exposed to some of those kinds of things. So, uh, I decided to start a new, new thing and, uh, it worked out great. Tubby offered to coach our podcast, uh, in the intramurals <laughs> and we, we had to turn him down, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to ask, it's been, uh, you know, this, this March, it's going to be, uh, 28 years since you took Rutgers to the NCAA tournament and that being the last one. Um, can you believe that you, it's been that long? Like it's been 28 years that you are still the last coach to take a Rutgers team to the NCAA tournament. And I say that kind of incredulously. And then also, uh, there's a, you know, there's some sadness to that. The fact that it has been so long. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, it's a point of pride for me a little bit. And, uh, but it also, it's, it's, it's not good. Uh, you know, uh, and every year, uh, during the times where we're talking about selection to the NCAA tournament on at CBS, and I do things for Sirius XM also. And, um, you know, it comes up because they're, I, I, you know, I, I haven't checked since uh, last March, but I, I think it's it's the longest running uh, negative uh, of any power conference team uh, in terms of the longest time that uh, absence from the NCAA tournament. And uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's uh, oddly enough, Jacksonville University, where I was the head coach, they haven't been back since I left either. So I think I probably ruined both. <laughs> programs. I do. I meant to ask this earlier because I, I was doing a little bit of homework on you. I know a little bit, as I said, because of, of my Rutgers history, and that's my, that's my dad's fault. Um, you had <laughs> you had an aneurysm while you were coaching in Jacksonville that was that was nearly fatal. Um, what was that experience like? And then getting back to coaching? I, I mean, I can't imagine having that experience and then not being changed in, in, in some way. What was that like for you? Well, it gives you perspective and uh, you appreciate every day. And, um, you know, um, it was uh, obviously a very serious, serious thing. And um, so, uh, you know, I mean, it's fine now and it's been fine, you know, for forever now. Um, so, um, you know, it was it was one of those things where, um you know, it makes you reflect. And uh, I'm, I'm sort of in this club of people who have had brain aneurysms and survived without any um, debilitation in, in any way. Uh, many people have this and then they, you know, uh, 
have problems the rest of their lives. So I'm blessed and I'm fortunate and I'm lucky. And, uh, that's the way I look at it. And, um, so, uh, yeah, it makes you appreciate life and makes you appreciate your kids. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, the Rutgers experience came way after that. So, uh, you know, when things are great, you reflect on it. And when things are not great, you can reflect on it too. And, uh, so it adds, I'd say it adds perspective. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we're all thankful for that. And obviously Rutgers would have had an even longer cold streak from the tournament. Um, if you had decided not to be coaching, <laughs> I, I do, I do want to ask, and I don't know how to make a, a segue, a good segue after, after that question, but I, uh, you had Jeff Van Gundy on your staff. Uh, I think it was yes. your first year at Rutgers. Do you have any first good three, Jeff first Van couple Gundy years. First couple of years. Do you have any good Jeff yeah. Van Gundy stories? Well, um, there, I had Eddie Jordan also. And That's right. at one time, both of them were, were coaching head coaches in the NBA and, I was the answer to this trivia question that they were showing, you know, who's the coach uh, who had two guys uh, who were NBA uh, coaches on his staff. And I was the answer to the trivia question. Um, But uh, Jeff was um, obviously he's a great coach and a great person. And um, he was, you could tell, uh, you know, I didn't know him previous to the, to this, you know, somebody recommended him and I interviewed him and, and, uh, brought him on and, uh, he was excellent. He was a great worker. He was, um, you know, and he comes from a coaching family, his dad's a coach, his brother's a coach and all that. Right. So, um, he was great. He was great. And I gave him certain special, uh, you know, uh, plays to design, uh, that we used, you know, out of bounds plays three second, uh, you know, with the clock running down, that kind of stuff. And, uh, we talked a lot of basketball and uh, he was a brilliant guy, even though he was very young. And um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was all very, very positive. Um, and uh, he and Eddie, you know, got along. Eddie lived with me for about seven or eight months. He was, um, was he uh, a good uh, house guest? Boston, the Boston. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Kids. Loved him. <laughs> um, he was great with the kids. Um, the, uh, my wife would cook lasagna on Friday nights and the team would come over and, um, you know, Eddie was there, uh, you know, all of the coaches were there, but he was living there. And, um, so, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. You know, and, uh, he was at Boston college and, um, of course I wanted to get him because, uh, he had success as an assistant coach. And of course he was one of the, you know, most popular players in Rutgers history. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, it was great to get him on the staff too. And, and they all work well together. They all did good things, um, uh, at, in their job as assistants. And Bob, Jeff Van Gundy, another guy who figured out that the life of a broadcaster is way more fun than the life of a coach, right? <laughs> a lot less pressure. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he's done great things with it. And of course, you know, he, he, he left us and he went to the NBA and he had a great career in the NBA as an assistant. And then as a, as a head coach uh, of the Knicks and, and the Rockets and, and hanging um, off of Alonzo you know, it was, it, yeah, 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 that's right. You know, he's famous <laughs> for that, right? <laughs> well, uh, I guess let's let's move on forward to to today's team. Obviously, you're still paying attention to the Scarlet Knights and the work that you do with Big yeah. Ten Network and everything else. Uh, 
there's a lot of of anticipation for this year, maybe warranted or not warranted. Obviously, the football team is struggling, and maybe that has something to do with it. But also, maybe the the Big Ten tourney run at the end of the year, getting to the quarterfinals. Um, is Steve Peichelay, in your mind, the right fit at Rutgers? And what has impressed you, if anything, with what he's done in these first couple of years? I think he has great work ethic and um, he has a good staff and uh, you know, it's an uphill battle. There's no doubt about that. They've been last every year. And um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it takes a while and um, you know, they're fighting uh, programs that have long history of being in one league their whole time and have great identities, athletic and academic identities. And um so it's been tough. And, uh, you know, the the place that should be the stronghold uh, geographically for Rutgers recruiting hasn't been because a lot of, you know, the kids, New York, New Jersey kids, you know, are going to Kentucky and Duke and, you know, one and dones and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I, he had, uh, you know, he has good lineage in terms of UConn and, and his, his time with Calhoun. And he did a good job at Stony Brook and got them winning. Um, but it's been a struggle, frankly, so far. Um, they've played tough, but they foul a lot. Um, their offense has been a struggle. And, um, you know, these are no secrets to anybody. And, uh, you know, now I think he's got a little bit more of his kind of players now. You know, I think Geo Baker's a, a solid player. Uh I like uh, Eugene Omari. Um, I think he's a lane player. He's a little undersized for his position, but he's tough and aggressive and good. And um, some of the kids they recruited, I haven't seen them play yet, but I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, they have size, uh, but the, the guys who are the size players don't have a great deal of uh, positive experience in terms of, of winning and, and being major factors. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they develop. Um, so it, it's not going to be easy, you know. I mean, uh, Michigan's in the Final Four. Michigan State's always great, you know. Indiana's got great heritage. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of teams that they have to try to beat. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I do have them several times this year. I think I have them against Maryland and against Minnesota uh, and one other time, I think, Um our schedules came out the other day. So uh, I'm very interested. I like Steve. I think he does good work. Um, and uh, I think he's he's established a culture of toughness. Um, and, uh, you know, they've they've got they've got some steps to take, though, in terms of, of scoring, scoring the ball and, 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 and playing competitively. I guess I, I just have one last question for you, and maybe uh, Max and, and Adam have another. But um, since, since you are the utmost source on this, um, 1991, last Rutgers team to get to the tournament, you took them there. When is the next time they'll get back? <laughs> Make a prediction for that's, us. That's, that, that, that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't see it this year. Um, and... Um, you know, it's the way the the uh, things have changed in terms of these mega conferences now. Um, teams that are in the lower part of uh, the major conferences are going to have a tougher and tougher time, um, and uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, now, now Clemson, who who wasn't a bottom feeder or anything like that, but you know, struggled. Um, 
to be in the top half of the new ACC, you know, with the 15 teams they have, mm-hmm. um, sort of broke through last year a little bit, and, and they're going to be pretty good this year. Um, so, um, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things. You know, you're in a 14-team league, and um, now with the Big Ten, you're playing 20 league games instead of 18 league games. So um, that makes it, uh, you know, even more intense. Um, and uh, you still have to play, you know, to, to get a bid, you, you still have to play some uh, power teams, you know, top 50 teams outside the league as well. So, um, you know, there's a few steps to be taken uh, for Rutgers. And, uh, you know, it all depends on the talent. You know, Um, they certainly have a guy who can coach. They certainly have people who on the staff who know basketball and who are working at it. And uh, but, uh, you know, they've got to get they've got to get more and more talent uh, to compete at the highest level. All right. So I know I, I didn't answer your question. No, you, but, uh, I, I think I think they. It sounds like definitely not this year. It sounds we got, like, it sounds we got like that. next year. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. listen. Wait, maybe we'll we'll pull you aside at one of these games we see at the rack this year, and uh, maybe we'll see if your mind changes at all. But but Bob, we really appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, it was fun going down memory lane. I know some of it's not the best of times, but a lot of it really was, uh, especially for for Rutgers fans that have been around a while and, and they want this drought to end. Um, and it's kind of been fun to, to see you watch this along the way. And I, I think it, it sounds like you're rooting for them in some instances to get there. And uh, we appreciate you oh, taking the time. And absolutely. we'd love to talk to you again down the road, maybe when they do make this tournament. So hopefully not too long from there now. There you go. There you go. Take care, guys. Come on, swing. I'm just so happy that that Bob made the bobsicle joke. I I I called my dad leading into the Bob Wenzel interview. I said, "Hey, we're we're going to interview Bob Wenzel tonight," and he was ecstatic <laughs> about that, obviously. And he just goes, "I'm like, give me one thing that I got to ask him about." He's like, he just yells, "Bobsicles! You you got to ask him about the bobsicles." And I was like waiting to ask uh, Bob about that, and he brought it up himself. It it was a great interview, and and a lot of good stuff came out of that, and. Uh, he didn't. He didn't give us his prediction as far as when Rutgers is going to make the NCAA tournament. So because he can't see that far into the yeah. future. Oh man, you sound. You seem a little disappointed. You, you seem like you want to impress Bob with your I knowledge did. of the Bob's. I did. I did. I instead I threw in some names from some of his players that he recruited uh, to try and kind of you know brown nose him a little bit. But that's the most I've ever seen you flirt with a guest. <laughs> oh, with yeah. you're just like you're so thirsty <laughs> there. You're like. Please love me, Bob. Dude, the, the, the old rack days. Like I, I grew up on Rutgers. Rutgers basketball is like were, were my memories. Because they were good. Because like, yeah, 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 it was right. fun. The rack was awesome. Uh-huh. So to I've I've heard great things about about Bob, and uh, that that was fun to talk to him for a little bit. Once we make our T-shirt, uh, the Death Place of College Football T-shirt, <laughs> order now. I guess uh, <laughs> uh, we have we have to make some bobsicles. Yeah, I think that should be the I'm next in. like merch we make. I'm in. Let's let's take him to the go, rack. Let's go and do that. <laughs> I mean, you the can next, see. The next merchandise idea that we don't that we do. don't do. Right. <laughs> that we are the podcast that comes up with a million ideas and that we just do. We not should just have any of them. We should just have like an Instagram page or a website of all this merch and just like no order. We're button. on episode twenty five of saying how we're going to get better equipment and we're still at like you the got same a microphone stuff. this time. What do you? We have a splitter. This thing's almost legit. Oh, there are so God. many different color wires. Going oh, on I guess right this now. is great. This like, is... there's some podcasts that spend real money on this shit. This is a shit. And show. we're just like, ah, you know, let's well, do it. Anyway, that w- that was fun. Uh, I guess at this point now we're forced to turn our attention back to Rutgers football because uh, on, the man. Scarlet Knights are back in uh, back in action. Uh, Wisconsin back in the Big Ten slate after they uh, lost 31-17 to Northwestern. The Fighting Darren Ravels last week. Um, 
Is anybody looking forward to this, Max? It was kind of nice. I woke up Saturday morning, yeah, and was. I was just like, there's no Rutgers football today. Like, it was, it was weird. What did you do with your day off? Uh, I watched football. And the weird thing about you know watching Rutgers football, I, I think I, I make this comment to you every week, is that you watch the you Rutgers realize, game, oh. you go home, maybe you know you catch the end of the first half of the three thirty games, or you, you start to catch the beginning of the second half, and you're just like, it seems like these teams are playing a different sport. So I went yeah. a whole Saturday of just watching college football. Um, I, I only watched uh, I think like twelve games in the three thirties, but it was nice. It was nice to watch some of the, the games without um, being uh, forced. Is forced the word? Um, yes. Or yeah. without being pulled in. By by a Rutgers game, um, so yeah, they had their bye week and four more games. That's where we're at right now. Four more games. Can I read this headline um, from Enemy of the Pod, James Cratch? Can Rutgers upset Wisconsin? Dear friend of the pod, James. He didn't mean <laughs> that. Friend of me. Friend of me. Still love you. <laughs> this week. <laughs> Go back to your crazy we'll, we'll, headline. We'll see next week. Go back to your crazy headline. What we got? Can Rutgers upset Wisconsin and stun the nation? Six reasons for hope. Six for concern. Clickbait. Now listen, how do you, one, how do you stop at six for concern? That's my question. <laughs> like, I would just go... 30 and a half. I got like, 30 and a half reasons for Because us millennials have such a short attention span, you don't want to go with too many concerns. And I'm sure, like, the six for concern took him, like, three minutes to come up with. How long did it take him to come up with six reasons for hope? Six? Six. I don't know what they are. Maybe I'll, like... Nah, some of them it. are kind of like, like, the punter is good for Rutgers. Dude, <laughs> the punter is good. No, that's one of them. Wait, wait, wait. The first... <laughs> The first hope, Wisconsin's quarterback uncertainty. Yeah. Here's my response to that. Wisconsin has a quarterback. That's it. And they There's no they, uncertainty. They, as Wis- Max said, they don't even need to use the quarterback. They've got one of the best running backs in the country, and they just and, got some big fatties up and front. And Wisconsin has had the same. Oh, you're right. Hope, Adam Corsack. Yeah, I told you. Okay. Good punter. Rock, uh, Wisconsin has had Wait, the same <laughs> quarterback. Except for that one year they had Russell Wilson, it's been the same guy every year. Big, is there like white, yeah. big, white, slow, a lefty. better than you think. He's a lefty. He is a lefty. We don't know. We and don't know if it's going to be Jack Cohn, the backup, or, or the starter, Alex Hornibrook. We don't know. But the point is, they're all the same. Every guy's. It's always the same guy who's, who's a little bit better than you think he is, and somehow he sticks around in the NFL. But it's always the same they're guy. Always from sticking around in the NFL they're for all, like yeah. six years. Scott Tolzien started a bunch of games. They're Joe not. Stabby was in the NFL a little they're, bit. They're not, Tanner they're McAvoy. Not good. By the way, episode one, I did say that Wisconsin was overrated. They are overrated this year. They're not good. Are they 30 and a half points overrated? And you know what? I saw it in 30 in a few places. We'll use 30. Yeah. Are they well, 30 points are we, are we going into the spread? Was there no, anything? no. That was just my, that was we'll, my we'll, we'll pushing get back there. at Adam. There was some Rutgers news today. Rutgers football news today. Um, that was not <laughs> the other other headline that Mike did not bring the, up. The, the, I, th- I thought that's what, that's what he was going to read when he when he brought up the. No, yes. Mike, Mike threw you a curveball. <laughs> You had to adjust to that. There I mean, is this, some this other is news going like, on. Some crazy. I mean, this is just this. Max found this right away and threw it into the uh, text group that we've got. I legit WTF. Uh, we've got a, uh, a a a potential attempted murder situation apparently with uh, oh God. a is it's uh, Isaiah Pollock. I think he's a walk on. He, um, he was a transfer. Transfer. Oh, transfer. Ultimate Wisconsin quarterback. Brooks Bollinger. Oh, yeah. He, he ran in the NFL Bollinger. for a long yeah. time, Dude, I'm talking about an attempted murder right now. <laughs> no, it's better to be It's clear. a callback. This is a callback. That's what they call it in the media business. I know you wouldn't know. You only have five Emmys on your freaking mantle. Am I right? Five? Yes. Okay. Actually, six. The six hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> Let's see one of your Emmys and see if you, you notice. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 
He's just gonna walk by. Hmm, something seems off today. Yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Bullock, uh, 22 oh, year old, was arrested and charged with two counts of attempted murder in the first degree and two counts of conspiracy to commit murder in the first degree. The Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office said in a statement, um, I, I wouldn't even, like, I don't know where to begin. We don't have any. Ev- not evidence. We don't have any like knowledge of what happened, and it's not a laughing matter either. It's though. not. It, no, it's not a laughing matter. The only part of it that I was like, well, first of all, good thing he didn't carry it out, right? That's cool that they caught him. Uh, the other thing is that with everything going on at Maryland today, with DJ Durkin keeping his job, how Ooh. Rutgers is it? That, obviously, it's not their fault. It's some sort of cosmic pull that something. Like, they couldn't just let Maryland have the day. Something had to come out. Again, it has nothing to do with Chris Ash or the football program or the athletic department. But because Rutgers, it had to come out today that one of their players was a, has been arrested for, you know, for a murder plot. For I mean, leading a murder plot. But I'm saying for, for, for a planning a murder. But the, the point is that how? How couldn't Maryland just have the day? Just let Maryland have the day. Well, I, I've got no way to say about that. Similar to my probably odd question when I asked Bob about his aneurysm and then forced Mike to transition into a Mike Van Gundy <laughs> question. Um, so uh, it, that came back to bite me. So that, that's only fair that I'm forced to transition now. Uh, back to uh, the Badgers. Uh, Mike mentioned, asked me, do you think yeah, that was, uh, there was no transition to make there. Um, 30 and a half now? Is that what you said the spread's at? <laughs> Start at 30 and a half. Uh, I've, oh, so seen it, that? I've seen it bet down to 28 and a half in a few places. I think... So you set the line. What are we? What uh, are let's we going go. I, I think thirty is the most common one that I've seen. So we'll go with thirty. Wisconsin by thirty. Um, it's at Rutgers Stadium this week. No, Wisconsin. Oh, at Wisconsin. Good right, job, I'm Mike. Paying attention. Jump around. As if it freaking matters. <laughs> well, it does. Oh uh, yeah. It does. I know. Three it, points it, in the spread. No, blah, it, blah, no. Blah. I'm saying for Rutgers, it does matter. Yeah, they've played way better at because home. they've been bad at home, and but they've been, they've really been bad on the road. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. It matters. I apologize. Rutgers, thirty point underdogs at Wisconsin at Camp Randall. Um, you want to start? You, you want to start off? You, you want me? You want me to put on me? Well, I mean, like you know what I'm going to say. Really, you're the like you're the only swing vote here. You're the Anthony really? Kennedy of our of our betting. Thing. Okay, so what are you, Mike? What are you going with? Take it. What's the what you, you get first? Pick. I'm taking Wisconsin. Okay, you're taking. Why do you want me to like? Oh, no, no, I'm, Come on. I'm taking Rutgers this week. Really? That's a dude. That's a big spread. Really? Yes. Thirty and really? a half. Yeah. This has got again. This has got like twenty four to twenty seven type point spread for me written on it. I don't think they get to thirty. Did you snort that James Crash story? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm gonna stick. I I I gotta be a man of my word. Beginning of the season, I said that they were overrated. They're overrated. I, I the Rutgers was overrated dude, at the beginning. They, of the season. Just, they just they just competed with a weirdly mediocre Northwestern team, albeit at home, and that Northwestern team ran up and down on Wisconsin. Like, they, Can we, we make our own personal bet here? What's the... No, I'm that's just, it. No, that's just that I bet. Like, let's bet $10 right now. Wow. If they cover the spread or not. Sure, sure. Let's it, shake it'll, on it. It'll pay Nobody for... Nobody sees it, it, but it shakes on <laughs> it. We, we just shook. Good radio there. Okay, so we you have Rutgers plus 30. Sure. I have Wisconsin okay. minus 30. All right. 10 bucks on the line. like it. Max, what are, what are you going with? I'm going to give you some stats here. 15 completions and 53 attempts for 93 yards, no touchdowns, and eight interceptions. 
Are we revisiting how both of you picked the over for Art Sikowski again in the beginning of the season? That is, that's Art Sikowski's numbers on the, <coughs> road, on the road so far this year. Right, That's at Ohio State, that's at Kansas, and that's at Maryland. Now, look, I'm not sitting here criticizing Art Sikowski. I think it's not, that, his, well, it's not his fault. Partially like, his it, fault. But he's a freshman. We've talked about that yeah, yeah, so yeah. much. I'm not here to, to pile on Art Sikowski. Those numbers that I just gave you, again, 13 of 53 in three games for 93 yards, no touchdowns, and eight interceptions. 13 completions, eight picks. Like, I, you, he's going on the road into Camp Randall. They're going to be mad after losing to Northwestern last week. Now, I will say that I believe that if you're going to get the game where Rutgers is up 3 nothing at the end of the first quarter, this it's going it. to be this one. However, Wisconsin's going li- to line up in the eye. And they got the they have again they always have the same offensive line. They're big and they're white and they like to run block. And it's always the same offensive line. That's that's what's that's what Wisconsin brings to the table. I don't have a good feel for it, but I would just say they're gonna run for over four hundred yards and win it something like thirty eight to three and barely cover. I'm going Wisconsin and you know I'm I'm going thirty uh thirty one to three as the final. So that's how I think they cover. Thirty-one to okay. Thirty-one I, three. <clears throat> two things for you. The Badgers are fifth in the nation rush yards per game. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan Taylor is averaging six point four yards yeah, per carry. Yeah, one hundred forty-four yards per game. Okay. I so, think they will run down Rutgers, and and I just think that they will not throw the ball a lot. I think it'll be like fourteen three at halftime, and I think that then they pretty much stop playing in the fourth quarter. Knowing that stat, those two stats. Right. If Ron Dane comes back today, <laughs> how many yards does he run for this weekend against Rutgers? 122. 320, his playing weight in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Taiwan Deal is. I'm just scrolling back through Cratch's story. He's averaging 6.45 yards per carry. I just watched every team run mercilessly through the Rutgers defense, and you're trying to tell me that no, you but want North, to take Rutgers North, plus but, 30? No, but Northwestern did not run. Oh, because Northwestern's the worst rushing team, like, ever. I'm just, Have you seen the number? If they're, they're the real- one team you can name that didn't, that's the exception, not the rule. Guys, it was right last time. I'm probably going to be right again here. Right. Oh, my God. I, I don't even know what I'm going to do with these $10. This is going to be like the most beloved $10 I've ever made. You're going to pay for our SoundCloud still to let us upload stuff. To- no, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's hooked up to my PayPal. I've been noticing that coming out, yeah. I don't know what, I, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> Michael, Michael will give you that my money and just I, uh, after this weekend. Uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. You're right there, Mike? No, okay. I'm okay, I was going to say something. I cut myself off. All so right. I've already been reprimanded once this podcast. I, I think we are uh, dwindling down here. We we are getting to another. This is where when you Guys, talk Bob Rutgers, Wenzel, Bob Wenzel, Bob, we talked to Bob Wenzel. I know when he you was talk good. when you talk Rutgers football, you just kind of lose your way. So uh, that was fun. It was fun to focus on uh, on basketball for a little bit. Basketball will be more fun. Yes, like with yes, it will be. bad yeah, team, good team. Well, bad team, slightly less bad team. <laughs> It'll be more fun, and I think we'll have more fun. And I, I, it'll like not that the podcast hasn't been fun, but I just think from a sports perspective, yeah. like it'll be more, the basketball team will be more fun. So I can't wait for our first podcast after like Rutgers loses by seven to Michigan State, and we're like, listen, 
If they hit just two more threes <laughs> with eight minutes to go, that would have been and one two more game. Throws. Start blaming the refs and how the game was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. like that first podcast, whether it's Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, like, I be- don't even know. Yeah, it became a running joke last year because Adam here would always get excited whenever Rutgers was down eight early in the second half to Michigan State just or Indiana three away, or, baby. Or, or, or whoever. And it was then, clockwork. And then it, this Rutgers was right where they're always at, which is eight points down with 15 minutes left, and they can't hit any shots. And, you know... It, it, Winner, again, it'll be more fun. Be more fun. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be more fun. Hopefully next week will be fun when I, I win this week with the spread. And then we are, uh, we're on to Michigan week. One uh, quick note before we wrap this up. Just remember, in a couple weeks, uh, we've got to get our list together for yes. top Barb. 10 excuses. Barb. Barb for missing uh, the Penn State game. So Rutgers fans, I got some good texts already yeah. uh, from some listeners from last week. we have our own week. excuses? Yes, we're going we're gonna to collectively okay. come up with this. Uh, and get Barb on. And Barb will have her, excuse Yeah, me. she'll have a top five. She'll have a top five. Obviously, so. I was paying attention last week. Yes, good job there on that. So keep working on that. We'll be back after uh, Wisconsin this weekend as we head to uh, Rutgers and Michigan after that. Oh, oh boy. Uh, but this was a fun one. Thanks to Bob Wenzel again. Uh, it, again, we'll be we'll be back after this weekend. Uh, for, for Mike, I'm Adam. Max? Pay the players legally. See you guys. Yeah.